Welcome back into another episode of the All Ball Podcast. George and I got a good one on hand as we're going to go through each of the big quarterback battles going on in the NFL, discussing what's going on with each of these individual battles, who we think is on track to be the week one starter, who we think should be the week one starter, because not always are we aligned with maybe what the coaches think and not saying we know more than them, but based on what we've seen and what we've read, what we know, what we think or who we think should be the quarterback. We'll give our thoughts on that and who we think ends the season as a starter at each of these different spots, whether it's Denver, Chicago, San Francisco, New England, New Orleans, all five of those situations, all five of those teams, and each of those battles we'll dive deep into. A little bit of a disclaimer, this was recorded shortly before Teddy Bridgewater was named the starting quarterback for the Broncos, so we discussed the battle between he and Drew Locke before finding this out. We recorded early Wednesday morning, and it came. the news came out shortly after noon, uh, that day that Teddy Bridgewater will be starting week one against the New York Giants. So just be a little bit aware of that. If you are listening to that part of this episode, it's what we start out with, with the quarterback battles with Denver being the first one. If you want to skip through that, if you want to listen to what we spoke about, we still had some good nuggets and I think it's still relevant to potentially how it, the outlook of this team changes potentially throughout the season. Then we take a look at the teams that made the playoffs in 2020 that we think will miss in 2021 and teams that missed in 2020 that will make it in 2021. We see a bunch of change throughout the NFL, whether it's the 49ers who were just ravaged by injuries in 2020, that after making the Super Bowl in 2019, they were knocked down. Another, a couple of teams came back in and stole their spots, whether it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the addition of Tom Brady, just all these different types of things. This is a shorter episode than we've been doing, but it's still like great discussions through these topics and we hope you enjoy it. Okay. So the most important position, obviously the quarterback position, we have a bunch of quarterback battles, a lot of quarterback in the first couple of sentences that I'm coming out of this podcast with a lot of quarterback battles going on this off season. And a bunch of them are still really close. A few, I think that one player in particular has maybe taken a lead, but we'll start off in Denver where I think this is the closest quarterback battle in the NFL right now. The betting odds from DraftKings yesterday had drew lock at minus two twenty five and Teddy Bridgewater at plus one sixty to be the starting quarterback for week one. I still think it's a very close battle. I mean, Vic Fangio has come out and said he's not, he doesn't really have a definitive person that he's going with or way he's leaning. He thinks it's pretty even at this point. And I feel like that's not a good thing to have because both these guys are pretty below average options. And you should want one of these guys to separate himself because it's not like you're coming into this and saying Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are so good. Like they're both playing so well that we can't make a decision on either of these guys. No, it's more so the fact of they're probably just being average enough. They have these good days, but more so they have the bad days. And it's not consistent enough where you can make the decision. And if you're a Broncos fan, that can't be that can't be a, a thought process that you can really feel good about when they pass on a quarterback at the ninth overall or at the ninth pick in the NFL draft this past season to go with these two guys. So uh, right now, I think it's Drew Locke. I mean, that's the betting odds, but I still think that I've thought about that. I've thought this throughout the entire offseason, even when they traded for Teddy, that Drew Locke gives them the ability to at least contend with the other teams in this division and the other teams in the conference. While Teddy might not have the low lows that Drew Locke has, he doesn't have the ceiling to propel you into something that you'll be an actual contender with. Yeah, it's the same thing for me. It's, you know, it's a, it's a ceiling floor thing, like you said. I think, you know, if this were like the NFC East, maybe you could win with a Bridgewater because the roster is pretty solid. 
but it's not Super Bowl caliber, and that's who you're going to need to be to you know succeed in a top heavy AFC. So I think you got to see what you have with Locke. Give him one more chance this year, and then if not, you're probably going to be picking in the top half of the draft, and you can go after a guy. Exactly, or you go after Aaron Rodgers, who they were linked yeah. to very heavily coming out of the draft. And maybe that's why they decided not to go with the quarterback then because they know they can go get him or they thought they could go get him before the start of the season. Yeah. Now, where do you see this quarterback? Maybe who do you think ends the season as the starting quarterback? If, if how we go about it, where both of us think it's drew lock to start the season, how do we think it ends the season? Um, uh, that's tough because it's, I mean, let's say you are five and nine. Like, do you really make the switch to Teddy? I personally don't think so, but yeah, I mean, I don't either, but maybe it'd just be like, maybe you would just to put the nail in the coffin and say, okay, no matter what lock isn't our guy next year and sort of like, you know, push yourself off the diving board or whatever, you know, like uh, of getting a new QB, but that's the only reason I could see it. Like, you know, I don't see a, uh, oh, we're seven and seven, and now if we really want to make a push, let's go with Teddy. I don't really see that. So for yeah, probably stays with Lock. You know, of course, barring injury. Yeah, I mean, look, Teddy's a solid player, but I think he was brought in. I mean, they didn't give up much. They gave up a sixth rounder for him. He was brought in to to pose competition for Drew Lock to push him to that next level because there, I don't see any scenario where you can look at Teddy Bridgewater's a the fifteenth or sixteenth or higher best quarterback in the NFL this upcoming season. Am I saying it's likely for Drew Locke? Not at all. It's very unlikely. But the fact is there's still a, a significantly higher chance than Teddy, and there's an actual chance there that you see him in that upper echelon or the top half to half of the NFL quarterback, you know, the spectrum of that. And when you have a Justin Herbert and a Patrick Mahomes in your division and a Derek Carr, you can't go into it with a guy that's just going to get, like, that's going to somewhat keep you in games and keep you somewhat competitive. You need the guy that's going for the ceiling because you're not winning this division. You're not beating the chiefs. And even if something happens with the chiefs, I don't think they're beating the chargers. So I, I think you need to go for the home run swing here because this roster is really good, but it's not good enough. I think given the division and given the teams that are in there to contend with Teddy as your quarterback, where you might have like a game manager where it's like this ground and pound team, this team that has the skill position player to get open and generate offense and this really good defense that they have. I don't think they have the liberty of doing that because of the division that they're in. Like you said, it's not the NFC East. If it was the NFC East, then yeah, Teddy makes sense because they have the defense similar to how the football team was able to do it with Alex Smith last year, but that's not the case here. Right now heading over to the Chicago bears. This is uh, our first act, our first discussion between a rookie and a veteran quarterback last odds that were up from DraftKings. That's where all the odds are, by the way. I meant to mention that before. Last odds were July 14th, and they were Justin Fields at plus 225 and Andy Dalton at minus 500. They are now taken off the board. Yeah, well, well, you know, yesterday, I know um, I know Nagy, or yesterday, two days ago, Nagy came out and said, yeah, Dalton is, in fact, the week one starter. It's, it's weird that he's so firmly on the Dalton thing, because you have to imagine, right, that this is Nagy's last chance. If they're bad this year, he's gone, barring uh, – sort of fields comes in for the latter half of the season and absolutely goes off. And then you think, okay, we have a good thing going here. Maybe we'll try one more time. But uh, as far as team success, I mean, you have to think that that fields gives you the higher ceiling, obviously floor is up for debate. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Dalton. He's not terrible, but I don't think he does much for you. And I think fields is, he looks kind of ready. So for me, it's surprising. It's definitely surprising. Um, 
and especially when it becomes like increasingly more common for these rookies to start immediately. Um, I, like, so, you know, I would start fields. I think Dolan will start. So it, it, it's one of those things. I, I feel the same way where I think it's going to be Dolan, but I think Fields should be the guy. I don't think the coaching staff feels that Fields has shown enough to force their hand, given the mess they have at offensive line. And maybe they don't want him to take that beating because we've seen that it hasn't been good to start out with. I mean, they have to bring in Jason Peters off of free agency. Their second round offensive tackle, Tevin Jenkins, is probably out for most, if not the entire season. So they might think, okay, we'll save this guy a little bit, save the hits, and as he starts to progress more. But I think Fields has shown enough to, like when you compare him to what Andy Dolan has, I think he's shown enough to warrant being the starting quarterback. I mean, when you look at their pro football focus grades, Justin Fields is 65.3, which isn't great, but Andy Dolan's is a 50. Right. So, I mean, it, what we've seen from the offenses when Andy Dolan's out there has been very uninspiring. And when you see Justin Fields out there, obviously it's when you see them, Justin Fields has the athletic gifts to scramble out of the pocket. And that's, I think, what you need when you have a bad offensive line. He's shown the ability to escape the rush and create offense and generate offense outside of the pocket, which Andy Dalton hasn't been able to do, despite the fact that he plays with the better play. He has the first, like the first team offense for the most part when he's out there. Um, but maybe coaching staff just wants Andy Dalton to take the beating early. I, I think this is a situation where week two fields could be the starter as soon as week two, it could see it coming in at halftime. But when you look at the first game, they're going to LA that like normally what you'll see is like, okay, Andy Dolan's in there and he's struggling and the fans might boom off the boo them off the field going into halftime if there was a home game. But now it's an away game at LA to start off and you're not going to get that. They're going to be cheering because the Rams are going to be beating the Bears at this point. And there's not going to be that really that pressure there from the fans as well as the fact of you're playing for your job. You got this guy and Andy Dolan's not being, not being good. But if Andy Dolan's bad in week one, how do you sell that to your team without losing the locker room that he should be starting over Justin Fields, given what we've seen, given what he's able to do on a football field, given what I'm sure they see on a day in and day out practice and what we've seen from Andy Dolan in the past couple of years and throughout his entire career for the most part. Yeah. So I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the bear schedule right now. You open it up against the Rams and you play the Bengals and Browns. So the first three games are a bit tough, especially, you know, the Rams and Browns have the great D line to go against, as you said, you know, ball average bears O-line. And then you go Lions, Raiders, Packers. So maybe you start Dalton for three weeks and then bring in fields for that game against the Lions or, you know, something to that effect. But I don't expect him to sit for long. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen people discuss the fact of, like, oh, like, save him from the Rams, save him from him, save him from the Rams, like Aaron Donald's going to be in his face the entire game. But then you have to then worry about, okay, so what? We start in week two, but then week three, they play the Browns, and then you have to worry about Miles Garrett, and then it just goes on, so on and so forth. At some point, he's going to have to go against these elite guys. And well, that's yeah, what, of course. No. Yeah, I know. That's not what you're saying. Like, you're not trying to, like, saying to avoid those guys. I'm just saying the general idea that, oh, be, like, we definitely shouldn't start in week one because they're going against the Rams, and they got Aaron Donald and all this. Like, he's going to have to go against these elite guys at some point. It's not going to be a thing like, oh, he starts week two, but then week three, Andy's starting against the Browns, yeah, and then week no, four, yeah, like, all that type of stuff. So Yeah, well, the thing is, once you once you bring him in, you can't really bring it back. You saw that with Tua, and it was kind of a disaster. Yeah, but that, that was just because the playoff, the playoff effect, or not the playoff effect, but the – 
the aspirations that that team had because it, it it was week what like six or seven when Tua came in. I mean, they had been building some momentum. They had that winning record, but I don't see that happening with the Bears because I I don't think Dalton's going to do well week one, and then week two when you come in and you're going against the Bengals. I mean, that'll be probably the nail in the coffin. But throughout that entire week, you'll be t- they'll be talking about it in Chicago. He's so bad. Why is Justin Fields not starting? He could do this and this and this so much better than Andy. And it gives it, and you spend this pick on him. Why are you not letting him go out there and develop? So I agree with you that it'll be sooner rather than later that he will be end up being the starter and they're not going to take him out at this point. So to end the season, it will be Justin Fields. I wouldn't be surprised by week two if he's the starter. I'm really surprised that they are so headstrong on keeping Andy the week one starter given what we've seen and given what we've seen from Justin Fields and given the roster outlook with the poor offensive line and Justin Fields' ability to scramble out of the pocket and make plays from different platforms outside of the pocket on the run and as a scrambler. I assume you you feel the same way about Justin Fields uh, to start, I, I mean, to end the season? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, the New England Patriots – this is, a, this is a very interesting one because of recent developments. Right now, Mac Jones to take the first snap is plus 225 for yes and minus 330 for no. But Cam has now been on, now under COVID protocols where he is out of the practice facility for the, next, for the next few days, I think five to seven days. So this allows Mac the opportunity to dethrone him as the favorite to be the quarterback come week one. And unlike the Bears, I think the Pats will actually go with the rookie quarterback if he shows enough more so compared to cam to feel comfortable with him as a top top option i think max similarly to just to justin fields has done that has shown the ability to be a really good player from the pocket and orchestrate this offense to a high level more so than i think cam has and look cam had his moments in the second preseason game but like cam has been over the past few years it's inconsistency so like the first game he wasn't the first preseason game he wasn't great and from practice to practice if you look at the reports from the beat writers it's not as consistent with with mac obviously he's not amazing every practice but you see that steady uptrend and he's consistent from both week one of preseason to week two of preseason i mean again i'll i'll go to the pff grades because they look at every snap and they grade on i think an equal scale and it's easy way to compare guys as opposed to just looking at the broad stats Max got a 92.4 PFF grade, which is the number one amongst the rookie quarterbacks and nine points higher than Cam through the first two weeks. So Mac, I think, is the clear better option. I said that when we were previewing the Pats a couple of weeks ago. And when you spent go out and spend $77.5 million in guaranteed money on pass, catch, pass catching weapons like Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne, you should want the guy that's best equipped to give them the ball, to get them the ball, and run your offense. And I think it's even better when he's the clear, better option. So I think Mac Jones at plus 225, not only value, but I think he should be the starter. And I think he will dethrone Cam over these next coming days leading up to the season because Cam's opened the door due to the fact that he's unvaccinated and he has to go through COVID protocol now. Yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, the only, like all that makes sense. I do think there's a bit of like, for me, there's a bit of a mental block thinking that the Patriots would just start a rookie QB. You know, they don't seem like the type. Um, but, but you know, everything you said is true. And it's like Mac – it's funny because, you know, Mac – the Mac and Dalton thing is almost flipped, right? Like Dalton is – Dalton is the one with the veteran skill set, the more accurate passer like Mac Jones. And then uh, Fields is, is more like Cam where there's maybe some, like, accuracy – 
questions and, and whatever, but, you know, like a, more of like a physical specimen. So it's sort of interesting to see it flipped. I would go with Mac. Um, I kind of think Cam will start week one now, honestly. I mean, more so than the Dalton, uh, Justin Fields discussion where I think Fields is the clear out better option. Dalton's just not somebody that I think you can ride out with really for most, for multiple weeks throughout the season, given uh, who you have behind him in Justin Fields. I think Cam's at a higher level where you can, you can tell yourself or you can convince yourself and it wouldn't be ridiculous to have Cam start out for the first five or six weeks. And it wouldn't be an outrageous thing obviously barring him just having poor play, but just Cam, what we've seen from him in the preseason and obviously what he's shown over the past couple of years hasn't been great. And that's why they brought in a quarterback, but he's still been reliable enough to show out, show that he can win games. And Andy Dalton hasn't shown that ability. And I assume we both agree that to, to end the season, Mac Jones will be the starter. Yeah, it certainly be- have to think barring, a cam thing really working and they go, you know, 11 and six, 12 and five with cam, which yes. is unlikely. But again, like, like I was like, I could see that there's a much higher probability that cam's the starter to end the season. than I would say with Dalton. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. Now to new Orleans betting odds right now for Jameis to take the first snap is yes. Minus three fifty, no plus two sixty. Who yep. do you have? So, so I think, I think that's probably been moving down uh, recently. You know, I was watching some of the Jag Saints preseason game. I think he looks good. And I almost want to take back some of the things I said last week about the Saints having a down, I think are going to have a bad year. Now, granted, you know, preseason overreactions and all that, but I did think he looked very, very good. Like, you know, if you can, he obviously has the talent and, you know, he threw 30 touchdowns. And if you can remove a lot of the stuff that led to 30 interceptions, and you potentially have a really talented sort of reclamation project on your hands. And, you know, Peyton, Sean Payton is probably a guy to get it done. So I think for sure James is the starter. I would start him. I think he will start, and I think he'll end the season as the starter. Yeah, so I know I came out here last week similar. I now, like you were talking down about the team, and I, I might have to eat some of those words. But I came out and said Taysom should be starting and all these reasons about the lack of weapons they have, the strong offensive line and run game, and just going all in with a solid defense to grind out games. But that goes against – but then I started to think about it more and that goes against how I feel about the Broncos where I don't want the guy that's going to grind out the games where I don't want the guy that's not going to help you reach your ceiling to this point, especially given it, the similarities when it comes to the chiefs are in the NFC or in the AFC West and you have the Bron- or the Buccaneers in the NFC South, like two teams that are going to win the division, like heavy favorites there that you're going to have to contend with. So you're pretty much playing for a wildcard spot at this point. And I'm not sure if Taysom does that because of the fact that you don't really have a pass game. He's not a threat as a passer. And look, the defense looked really good against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars also missing two of their better offensive linemen, which I think will be key when they come out in the regular season and have them. But I, I think Jameis gives New Orleans the best opportunity to be competitive versus good teams with good quarterbacks. And that those are the games that you need to win because when you go up against – I'm trying to think of like the bad teams with bad quarterbacks. If you go up against the Lions or whatever, like you can win that with Taysom or Jameis for the most part, I think given this, this entire team. So the games where maybe Taysom would be more secure, it doesn't necessarily mean Jameis wouldn't lead your team to a victory in that aspect, but he also gives you the upside to where he could steal one, help you steal a game 
in a game that you're not supposed to win, like where you go up against a really good team, whether it's like the Packers, the Rams, I, I, I don't have their schedule up right in front of me, but there's also the fact of Taysom could be like, I was talking about the lack of weapons they have with Michael Thomas now being out. Marcus Callaway looked amazing in the preseason game. And he apparently has been drawing rate, like great reviews, but now you add in also Taysom could be a tight end slash wide receiver option that he has shown in the past to do pretty well. So you add him, he, he's just not out of the game if he's not the starting quarterback. So I agree. I think, I think Jameis is going to be the week one starter and it's probably trending more so to like minus 500 for yes. And plus like three eighty or four, four twenty for, for no at this point. Yeah. hundred percent agree to think, um, well, you know, like you said, uh, if you start Taysom, you sort of lose the, the ability to like throw people off with the Taysom packages. So he's probably better reserved for that sort of usage. Um, and I think, you know, with Jameis, you might have something. You also might not, but you're not paying too much. So, you know, we'll see. And that's where it's like you need to – I think you need to take that risk. It's not – like, look, it was great last season because that team was stacked to uh, – not. they lost some guys. That I think that's the key thing. Like, when, when Breeze was out, Taysom Hill was the starting quarterback. And, mm-hmm. look, they, they went on and they went 5-2, and two, I think it was, throughout that stretch but that team has lost some players on the defensive side. They take, a, I think, a step back in that regard. And now you also have Michael Thomas out. And I, I don't have the numbers up for me right now, whether or not Michael Thomas was in for those games where Taysom was playing, but I'm pretty sure he was for at least some of them. Now you take him out of that, and that takes out your main reliable option. And when your guys, when your quarterback's already not a good passer and you take out the number one option, it makes it even more hesitant to have success there. And now their tight end that was supposed to be a starter that was supposed to be really good coming in the season with Adam Troutman, now probably out for a few, at least a few weeks, maybe even longer. I'd rather have the more proven passer and somebody that can lift up your team than the gadget guy who can also be a reliable option if he's not the starting quarterback, as opposed to Jameis, who would just be sitting on the bench and not doing anything. To end the season, I mean, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's Jameis. I think Jameis starts and finishes the season. I think I think what he's shown so far has been good enough. I mean, it was interesting to see, like, the broadcast team during that game was talking all about how Taysom didn't really have the option, like, didn't have the weapons that Jameis had to start out the game. That's why he didn't look as good. But, like, Taysom started week one, I'm pretty sure, and he had those options. He had those weapons and he did well, but Jameis did better than what Taysom did with the second team. So I I think he'd also lifts up. I I think there's something to be said about that as opposed to just saying, give him the benefit of the doubt because he's playing with the second team as opposed to the first team who Jameis had. I think Jameis was lights out with the first team and he was solid enough with the second team. Meanwhile, Taysom was really good with the first team and I think average with the second team. And I think that's what they are. So I'll go with the guy that's, I'll go with the guy that was good in both instances. Right. I agree. Now to finish it off the San Francisco 49ers, the betting odds right now for Trey Lance to take the first nap is plus 300 for yes. Minus 400 for no. Who do you, who do you have? Jimmy G. I think it should be Jimmy G. I think there's a chance that the season ends with Jimmy G. You do a sort of Patrick Mahomes thing where, you know, your Alex Smith starts the whole season. This is the best roster of all the teams we've discussed. Right. It's no, it wouldn't be surprised. They went 12 and five with Jimmy G. They made the Super Bowl before. So I think uh, if everything goes right, I honestly think Lance sits the entire year. Um, but, you know, of course. That might not happen. Right. Jimmy G gets injured all the time. He might just be playing bad. Um, so 
But yeah, you know, that's what I think. I think it's a Jimmy G year and I think they do pretty well. I, I agree that Jimmy G will be a starting quarterback. I mean, look, Trey's had his moments like everybody's seen the 80 yard touchdown pass that he had uh, to Trent Sherfield in week yeah. one of the preseason. And it looked amazing, but he's still way too inconsistent on a snap to snap basis. I mean, his PFF grade 50.5, which is by far the lowest among the first round rookie quarterbacks. I mean, the next lowest is Trevor Lawrence. I think it's 64. Point three, And then there was also been the reports out from Adam Schefter that Jimmy's had the best camp of his life. And that could be just smoke that the 49ers are just giving them to trade to, to upgrade his trade value. But I, I just think Trey has been too inconsistent to feel comfortable given where this team is. Like you said, this team could be 12 and five. They could be a team that's contending for the Super Bowl. Like we talked about when we were previewing them in the NFC West episode of this podcast, this is a team that I think is a dark horse or just below that top three of the Rams, the Packers and the Bucks for the top tier of this conference when it comes to Super Bowl contenders. And it's not outside the realm of possibility that they could join that team because I don't think they've lost that many people compared to where they, where they were when they became, when they went to the Super Bowl. So I just think given where the team is, I don't think you can really just go with Trey Lance at this point. And of the three veteran quarterbacks, I think Jimmy's the best of them right now, whether it's Cam, Don, Jimmy, I think they're, he, they're the three of the three. He's the best. And Trey is probably the least ready to actually start a game. So when you compare that, I think the gap's just wider there. Yeah, no, but definitely to, agreed. But to end the season, it's tough for me to say that Jimmy's going to, tough for me to say that Jimmy's going to end the season because I don't think they're going to necessarily be winning because of Jimmy, but I don't think that they'll feel comfortable enough to play Trey at the moment to start out. Exactly. You know, if, if, they're, if they're a double digit win team, it's going to be hard to make that switch. I agree. But I also think that I, I think Kyle Shanahan's got enough juice and enough lever or not enough leverage, but enough like juice in the organization to be like, I know what's best. I see this guy every day. I know what I'm looking for in my quarterback. I know that this team is ready to win a Super Bowl right now. And Trey is looking like the guy that can do that. And I'm not sure if Jimmy is because if you go about, look, this seems amazing, but if you're meeting the Buccaneers in the NFC championship game, that team's also amazing. And their quarterback is clearly better than yours. And like we saw in the Super Bowl, it's those, those little throws that he's missing that are the real difference makers. And if he sees that Trey has been progressing and consistently progressing Look, the guy's got the worst PFF grade amongst rookie quarterbacks, but he also hasn't played more than a game. He played one game last year. So he's still just getting, I think, back up to speed. And that's where I'll give like the Jamar Chases, the Penny Sewells, these other guys that didn't play at all that are rookies coming into the NFL right now, a little bit of leeway as they get more acclimated. But if, if we're talking week nine or 10 and he's still, and he's starting to look really good in practice and these guys are starting to notice that and you're trying to plan ahead for when you go into the playoffs and you're playing these really good teams, I don't think it's ridiculous to say that they're if they're by week 12, they're nine and three or 10 and two, uh, depending on what their bye week is or nine and one, like whatever. If they're really good going into that, I wouldn't be surprised if they go with Trey Lance because they see, I think they're planning ahead more so than just saying, okay, we're going to take it week by week right now. Jimmy's the better guy and we're going to let that ride for now. So I, I think right now, I'd probably say if I had to bet and it was like similar odds, I'd say Trey Lance uh, to finish the season at this point. And that's not even bar that's not even talking like injury stuff because obviously anything we're talking about is not barring like injuries don't matter are aren't part of the equation. Yeah, and I agree. I, I agree. I think it's I think it's true. They fouled. 
Okay, so for each year we see a bunch of movement throughout the playoffs, whether it's teams coming in that didn't make it in 20 so – teams that didn't make it the past season, that make it this season, and teams that made it this past season, or the last year that don't make it this past season. So I'll start off. This one team that I, I think that I think we both can agree on is the Steelers that will that made it in 2020 that won't make it in 2021. I mean, they got the hardest schedule in the NFL based on win totals. They were really bad to end the season, capped off by that atrocious playoff loss against the Cleveland Browns, where it was over before it even started. They're, they have the first fifth worst net rest rest edge at minus eight days of rest compared to their opponents. <laughs> their offensive line and quarterback are bottom 10 in the NFL, I think, for their positional units. And, you know, you have to worry about is Big Ben just shot as a quarterback. And when you have the Browns and the Ravens in your division that you have to go up against, I mean, is it really outside of the realm of possibility that they, that he's just just done with and that they brought him in circa kind of Eli Manning? I think you made this comparison, but the Eli Manning in 2018 or 19 where it was just he didn't have it anymore and the the organization just had had a a loyalty to him and I I get that but uh. yeah it's definitely possible I mean you know you sort of saw it at the end of last year at this team it you know I have to agree I'd be hard-pressed to see them uh make the playoffs again so all right I'll go next wait I want to say one thing we were talking about first to worst and honestly when I was going when we were preparing preparing I know we're not doing it this time but when we were preparing it I, it bounced around in my head. Could this team be a I, I first or worst? I, 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 I know they're too talented and the Bengals are too bad, but like, this is a team that like, it, there's so many signs that point to that. So that was just one thing I wanted to point out that I don't know, like it's not outside. It's not likely, but like more so than maybe I found with other teams, but this was just one that I, I thought was just, you know, I don't think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. All right. So, so, Man, with the NFC, there like two, two of them that I don't even really want to get into, but it's just like Bears and, and football team, just on the fact of like, you know, they were lucky to even make it with how bad with how bad the records were. Um yeah. really have much to say there. Yeah, I mean, I had I had both of those in there. I mean, fo- I'll start with the football team. Like the division's a mess to begin with. And is there really that much separation between the like when we were talking about the NFC East, is there not that much separation between the football team, the Giants and Dallas, and then Philly? I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so them and the Bears, you know, just like two teams that are sort of fortunate to be there. Obviously, the Saints, as discussed last, uh, as discussed last week and a bit this week, is like you know they're of course going to win way less games. So you know that's a potential that like the Steelers, a potential even first to worst situation. Yeah. Um, so for me, I had I had all those teams. Uh, I think with the football team in particular, I mean. Uh, just because everybody seems to be pegging them to definitively or not definitively, but like as a team that should make the playoffs because they kept most of their roster and upgraded in key parts like Fitzpatrick, as opposed to Alex Smith, they brought in Curtis Samuel to be the second wide receiver as opposed to running with Cam Sims and Steven Sims. Uh, But is, but you have to worry about they're playing the fifth hardest schedule. They is Fitzpatrick the second or the fourth best quarterback in the division. I, I think you really have to, to ask yourself, I'm not sure. So is it really that much of a significant upgrade? Their offensive line isn't good. And then with the Bears, I mean, yeah, they're both, but outside of their front seven, their, their positional units are, I think, bottom half or below average in the NFL. And now you have, in my opinion, a division that got better with the Vikings 
and the Packers staying the same. And that was already a 13 and three team. And, you know, they play the sixth hardest schedule based on win totals. So I, I think there's definitely a set for regression there. And then we talked about the Saints last week with the fact of they have major question marks at the quarterback position. They just are in a division where play where teams got better. The Falcons, the Panthers got better. And Tampa Bay is already amazing. And they stayed the same and just brings back everybody. And meanwhile, they have a bunch of questions all around this offense, whether it's the wide receiver position, whether it's the quarterback position, whether it's the secondary. Um, a couple other ones I had were the Seahawks, because this division is one of, if not the hardest. Um, they have the clear worst defense, defense and offensive line in the division. I think the rest of the division got a lot better and they didn't really make even close to the same strides and address their biggest needs like I thought they should have. And I also thought the Titans. So they are, they're both their front seven and secondary bottom 10 for their, for their units in the NFL. Uh, And then the loss of Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator where their offense should be carrying them, I I think will be due for regression at this point. I I know you like the Titans, but uh, yeah, I'm just not as big on uh, where they might be heading this upcoming season. No, I think those are all, I think those are all good ones. Um, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> to, to, to flip it right for teams that didn't but could uh two teams in the afc east dolphins and patriots you know dolphins were close and the, and the patriots you know a couple things didn't break their way so both of them you know, you know super possible they can make it yeah i know we talked about last week yeah it was the last week we were talking about i'm not sure if if the pats like spending all that money is really like uh really leads to winning but look, this team was already seven and nine. They were right outside the playoff picture and they should be better this year more so than they were last year because they bring in, they lost guys to COVID opt-outs and all this type of stuff. So I don't think it's ridiculous to say that they could be making the playoffs despite the fact that the history of signing a bunch of guys in free agency uh, leads to um, leads to success. And then, yeah, the Dolphins, I mean, they were, they were right there too. They were, I think they went into the last weekend with the potential to make the playoffs. I think if they won and the bills just routed them, but they also made good strides Tua looks like he's playing a lot better in the second season where he gets an actual off season. Um, but for me, I'm going starting off with the 49ers. Like we were talking about, they got a healthy quarterback, which they didn't have last year an above average offensive line an above average defense, a great set of skill position players, and they have the easiest strength of schedule based on win totals. So you have an easy schedule. You have a guy, you have your quarterback finally coming into play. you got really good skill, really good units all around this off, all around this team, really outside of the secondary for the most part, I think is average to above average. The, the, the secondary might be a little bit below average to average. So I think there's a lot of things lining up for them to take to rebound to what we saw in 2019, as opposed to what we saw in 2020, obviously the health of the quarterback is the biggest cause for concern. And that was what derailed them. But I, I I'm optimistic, obviously of that this year. And then the chargers, because this team I think is above average in every facet on offense. They have a potential top 10 quarterback. They have elite playmakers across the defense where they might have some weaknesses, but like Joey Bosa and Derwin James, I mean, there's not, there might not be two better. Uh, there might be, there might not be a better duo that I'd rather have manning my defense right now outside of maybe Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I, I don't know if you could think of anybody else, but for the most part, I mean, those are two elite guys. Obviously Derwin James needs to stay healthy, but you have playmakers all across the defense. Their offense is, I think can be really good. And they have 
one of the best defensive minds in the NFL as their head coach now and Brandon Staley coming over from the Rams. So it's very hundred percent. I mean, their ceiling is high for, for me. Um, I'm just not as into the team as some people. I think it's a bit like that's for me, it's a bit much to like, you know, say that they're, that they are going to be amazing. I do think that there's a chance to make the playoffs. So I do think they belong in this conversation for sure. But, uh, you know, I sort of pumped the brakes on all the Chargers hype in general, but, you know, I do think they'll be good. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I know it's a quick one, but we're just starting to get ramped up going into the pre into the NFL season. We'll have more news to discuss next week as we get some more clarity with some of these, with some of these quarterback battles and how they're starting to shake out as well as just some other news and headlines coming forward. Uh, but thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. 